What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Finding Strong Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Bodenhorn. I'm sitting by with co-host Michael Benvenuto. Michael, what's going on? Hey, Mark. How's it going, man? A lot of uh, life events since the last time we podcasted. Glad we're finally able to get back on and do this again. Yeah, lots of life events, but uh, happy to be here as well. Totally, totally. So why don't we kick this off and talk a little bit about like what we've been up to since the last time we podcasted, which was uh, probably a couple months ago. So there's been a lot of changes to the way you and I are both training, some of the goals that we've set, some of the you know secret races we may or may not have entered. So uh, why don't you kick us off, man? Talk to us about how some of the mentality has changed for you uh, over the last few months. Yeah, so I think uh, over the last few months, I've kind of transitioned from that uh, short-lived powerlifting-focused style of training where I was focused more on power and a little bit less on endurance to try to compete in a powerlifting meet. Obviously, I did all of that and uh, decided I was ready after you know dealing with a lot of burnout last year in, in the endurance realm and training uh, to be able to jump back into training for endurance and ultra races again. So now I'm kind of back to an ultra focused, ultra endurance focused uh, training methodology with strength, ta- with strength taking a um, kind of backseat, but I feel that I'm still a hybrid athlete. Maybe it's 60, 40 right now, even closer mm-hmm. to 50, 50, but endurance pretty much is the focus. I did, as you mentioned, uh, hop into a race last weekend. It was my first race in 379 days Ooh. and uh, yeah, felt good to be back. Now, now, Mark, tell us a little more about that race. Obviously, that was not anything you advertised on your social. Talk to us about like the reason why you didn't make that public. What was what was the reason behind that? Well, I mean, part of the reason I was up in the air, you know, about actually doing it. Um, and then I, you know, I was getting through a very busy period at work with New Balance with my career. And uh, I had some deadlines coming up, so I didn't know if I was going to be looking at the time on feet that I needed. And in truth, I really didn't. But I still decided to go forward with the race and use it as a kind of a uh, a chance to step forward just as a rust buster. And uh, it, it went pretty well. I just uh, – sometimes I just don't want to advertise it and make it out to something more than it is. I went in there. It was a, a three-hour nighttime trail race at Cedar Ridge Preserve, as many loops as you can do, 3.2 miles. It was – um, it was dark. It was technical. It was rocky. <laughs> I, uh, didn't have a headlamp. I bought one like earlier in that day after I got off work. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, the- I didn't have any nutrition or anything. I just like grabbed a couple <laughs> of miles, apple pouches or whatever. Yeah, uh, you, you sounded a lot like uh, the the old David Goggins story of the first ultra he showed up to with uh, like Myoplex and Ritz crackers for his hundred mile race. Like you didn't have, you know, you didn't have a crew for this. You didn't have uh, nutrition. You you barely had a headlamp. You told me. Mm-hmm. That's true. Uh, I didn't even bring a chair. David Goggins, I think, brought a folding <laughs> chair. Uh, no, I don't want to compare myself to him by any means. I just uh, went out and did it. It was only three hours, so not a whole lot of nutrition needed from that perspective. But I, I mean, I hadn't sure. run more than 75 minutes prior to this race just because I've been having trouble getting the long runs in. And that's kind of still true now uh, over, a, you know, over two weeks removed or almost two weeks removed from the race. Mm-hmm. So I'm still working on it, work in progress, but uh, got out there, won the race, won pretty comfortably. Um, and it sounded like the most important thing was that you had a lot of fun. That this was fun for you. This kind of like relit the spark inside. Yeah, I don't know if it really. So like it, 
initially my thought was like, oh, that fired me up to be like really competitive again. But the truth is, is that I had fun and because I didn't put a lot of pressure on myself. Mm-hmm. And I think for so long, I've put so much, I've never felt any outward pressure by anybody else. Like nobody's made me feel pressured, but I do it to myself and it makes the race not fun. I remember racing North Country Trail 50 mile, which is like a bucket list race for me. And one of the first races I learned about when I started running and you know, I was 48 miles into that race, this 50 mile race, and I'd run solo from mile one on. And I was scared the guy in second place was going to catch me. And I remember thinking, man, if you let him catch you right now, like mm-hmm. this whole race is a race, this, or this whole race is a waste, this whole thing you've done is a waste. And mm-hmm. um, I hate feeling that way. I feel paranoid. And, and, and then I crossed the finish line and I was not, I was relieved I didn't lose rather than being happy that I won or, or enjoyed the accomplishment or enjoyed the journey. So that's an indicator that I probably don't have a really good relationship with competition all the time. And I think this race was fun because there was no pressure and it makes me realize I want to do a, this race was out of my element. It was kind of like a mountain race. It was really rocky, Rudy, a lot of stairs. And it was at nighttime. So I usually prefer the more runnable stuff mm-hmm. and just getting out of my comfort zone, doing things that were new, doing things that I always wanted to do. And not worried about the outcome, I think was a lot more fun. So I might try to adapt that strategy moving forward, you know? That's awesome. Yeah. And, and you know, obviously, I think we've all been noticing on your Instagram over the last couple of months that your run volume has gone up. Like, you know, we see you getting out there, putting in consistent mileage every day. Your paces are improving every day. Um, talk about like the change your body's undergone from being so heavily focused on lifting and strength and now going more into the running side. Um, you know, we, we talked about it a little bit at dinner when we hung out in Dallas last week, but uh, talk about like, you know, the way your body's been reacting and changing. Yeah. I think when we, when we linked up in Dallas, which obviously it's always great to see you always a highlight. Um, I just, you said it, you're like, you're looking more trim, I think is what you said. And you know, I've, I, I went down from probably 173 at my heaviest down to about 159 or 160. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so those are some of the physical changes that my body's made. And that's just maybe eating less intentionally, um, more training volume aerobically, and then less training volume in terms of strength or powerlifting. Um, and, you know, some of it's nutrition, cleaning up what I'm eating a lot. But yeah, I mean, my resting heart rate was probably sitting at about 44 uh, when I was powerlifting, which is by no means that bad. Um, no, that's but, exceptional. But <laughs> that's uh, now exceptional. It's, it's back down to 35 now, 34 to 36 typically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so like just shy of being in a coma essentially. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> um, it's, 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 yeah, I've definitely seen some positive, positive aerobic adaptation. Um, what I would say is, is that it's really hot in Texas right now. Oh yeah. So, you know, oh, yeah. I felt humid. it last week, man. It's that humidity, you know, coming from being in the Northeast where we had humid summers like that. And now being in New Mexico where there's no humidity, very dry. Yeah. I, I didn't obviously go out for any runs while I was there for the two days, but uh, yeah, brutal conditions for you in Dallas right now. Yeah, it's typically when I wake up in the morning, it's it's between 85 and 92 or 93. Mm-hmm. And by the time I get out for a run in the early morning, you know, before 7 a.m., and it's 95% humidity. So, like, it's really hard to use that as a barometer to measure true progress. Totally. I really don't know where I'm at. I just see that my vital signs and physiological indicators of good fitness are there. Definitely. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, there's obviously a lot of fun summer reading to do. Uh, and one of the big things is like motivating yourself, especially in these summer hot months to change your running schedule, which might be different 
than how you do it in the spring, fall, and winter where you've got more desirable weather climates. And in the summertime, it's about getting up earlier uh, to get those runs in or doing them later in the evening after the sun's gone down. So there's always that adjustment everybody's got to make over the summer. Um, and, and it sounds like you've been able to make that shift. Yeah, I've, it means going to bed going to bed earlier to get up earlier. And so I'm getting up every day at about 5 a.m., 5.15, to be able to work on coaching before work and to do some training before work, obviously. Uh, And then I'll work on coaching again at night. So it's important to kind of silo those things and prioritize them because if you make a mistake, you can get off track really easily in the Texas summer with running. It's Mm -hmm. You know, I I had an eight-mile run, I think it was last Monday, and I had an early meeting for work and then, and then a call. And by the time I got off the call, I took a lunch run and it was at noon. So the UV index was the highest. It was 105 degrees. And so that made it tough. I only ended up out out of the eight miles, I believe was only I'm getting 6.8. So, you know, it's little things like that. That was bad, a bad decision on my part, you know, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but smart to listen to your body there and not overexert yourself and uh, end up in a hospital and not know how you got there. <laughs> oh, that's the truth. That's the truth. That's the goal. That's the goal. I guess yeah. I have parenting to do. So that'll be cool. So now, um, so like you said, you're going to be more focused on the endurance running moving forward. So we'll have, uh, you know, obviously more updates on potential races that, you know, you'll be signing up for and things like that. I know, uh, you know, you and I have been looking at some stuff in uh, the October, November months that we might go give give a shot. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, but I think we we both need to be, uh, physically ready for that, for sure. I know for me, I'm, I'm kind of recalibrating my body. That's what I've been doing the last month. Um, and how is your, how is your recovery, your physical therapy going? Yeah. I mean, it's going well. It, I kind of had a setback, you know, last time we were podcasting, I was, you know, it was gains every week, you know, building up, uh, you know, into the twenties, 25, 30, 35 miles a week. And I was, just starting to get consistent 35 mile weeks in. Um, but I was really suffering. My low back kept going out on me and I started feeling pain in my hip again, very similar to what I felt pre-surgery, you know, like that pulling on my hip, you know, pulling from the interior of the groin on my right side. And I kind of panicked and I went back to see my surgeon and we did some x-rays and ran some tests and, he said structurally everything looked fantastic. You know, the labrum itself was still in great health and, and still holding in place really strong. And he felt like it was a muscle calibration problem. So um, I'm seeing a, a different physical therapist now who's uh, a little bit more intense in terms of the focus on low back uh, and lower, lower body movement. Um, the physical therapist actually it's out of an MMA gym here in Albuquerque, which is MMA is real big here. You know, a lot of the big fighters, Holly Holm, Cowboy, John Jones, they all fight out of Albuquerque. So it's, uh, actually in that gym that I go to get my physical therapy, which is pretty cool. Um, you know, I had to promise Meredith, I wouldn't try to jump into any fights while I was there. Um, but we've been really working hard on recalibrating. Uh, the doctor there said my low back was compensating for lack of strength in my glute and in my uh, hamstrings and quads. So I haven't run in the last five weeks. It's been uh, no running the last five weeks and just really focusing on the exercises they're giving me. So uh, I'll be going in there today and hopefully getting some some guidance that I can maybe start running again. Um, But yeah, it's been a a total rebuild again uh, to get myself going. But 
as we talked about, I got I got nothing on the calendar. I I got nothing that I'm working for. I just had my baby boy back in May, so I'm spending a lot of time with my little guy, and uh, we go for our walks every morning, and I do my strength training in the evening, and and stretching constantly throughout the day. So that's kind of where I've been at, um, you know, since we podcast last. Yeah, well, it's good. It's good to see that you're getting back towards it. I mean, I know soon you'll be running again, so so that's good. Uh, unfortunately, I guess we won't see you in the octagon anytime soon. But, uh, <laughs> would love to see it. Yeah, that maybe maybe we could get the uh, the users to put uh, or the listeners to put a a pot of money in, and uh, you know, you and I can arrange some fights with some other Instagram runners. You know, maybe we could get uh, you know some other guys in the ring in the octagon battle them out a little bit that might be kind of fun that would be great <laughs> there's a few of them there's a few of them that i wouldn't mind <laughs> for sure um all right so that's kind of a you know a catch-up uh for for you and i just for the listeners to kind of know where we're at you know we're, we're both sort of in a rebuild process you're obviously a lot further already winning some some secret races that you've entered but uh yeah i know i'm i'm pumped to get back to racing and especially on the trail side i i know you and i have talked so much about that that that's really where the passion lies for me so be looking forward to getting some stuff on the calendar and giving us some stuff to uh to talk to the listeners about about some of that race prep so um all right so moving on into another segment here we've always talked a lot about like the rest rest versus stress uh, equation when it comes to training. Um, and we were just kind of highlighting it there, talking about your, uh, you know, your, your early morning runs and, and having to balance the heat and the weather and, you know, me taking some rest right now in order to get my body back in shape to be able to run more effectively. But um, you kind of had a story to share from a, a recent runner who contacted you and we're not going to name any names we're not going to call anybody out but uh share that story mark and and then we can kind of dive into the do's and don'ts of of what happened in this situation yeah so i started i i agreed to take an athlete on because i thought he was a pretty interesting case he came to me saying i'm running 100 miles a week and i run about 1745 in the 5k Um, which is a pretty substantial volume, especially he lives in Texas, especially in this, in this Texas heat, uh, for that probably level of race, uh, performance, I'd say. And he said, you know, I can't, I can't seem to shake this idea, but I think that I always need to run harder than I did the day before if I want to get better. And I feel like I'm losing fitness if I don't. And I know that's not the case, but it's hard when I start my week off with a 620 easy run. Mm Mm-hmm. And, you know, because from there, how do you, how do you go any slower? And and so I agreed to work with him and he was like, we need to start as soon as possible, as soon as possible, because I can't shake this and it's, it's killing me. So I started working with him. He paid me the money and everything like that. And uh, I hadn't seen, you know, I reached out to him on day two to see how everything was going. You know, he looked over the log, he said, everything looks great. This is going to be a change, but I just need to focus on keeping it a little bit easier on this stuff, Uh, hitting the targeted quality sessions that you said. And everything should be good. And so I said, okay, it looks good. You know, and I tried to reach out to him on day two, didn't hear from him. I tried to reach out to him on day three and it turns out I was blocked on social media. So he, he blocked me on Instagram. He blocked me on Strava. Uh, and the reason I know he blocked me is I tried to go back to one of our conversations via DM and it was just mm-hmm. an Instagram user with the picture messaging. And then also like I had all this Strava information and uh, to kind of track his training aside from his training log. And huh. that was all gone too. Um, and then, so I said, let me look for this guy on Facebook. So I decided to look for him on Facebook. 
also blocked. So I went to send him, I just sent him an email saying, Hey, I'm not sure what happened. It seems like you're off of social media, knowing pretty well that he probably blocked me. Um, but in reality, what actually happened was he didn't want to, he was embarrassed to tell me that he uh, has too many apprehensions about doing slightly less volume and more quality sessions and more easy runs versus just everything being at one pace. And mm-hmm. even though he reached out to me, he couldn't, he can't shake it. And he, you know, he knows it's rational. So, and I see this a lot. And he said, you know, I can't shake this Strava comparison. And if you're someone who's like that, maybe Strava isn't in your best interest. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. No. And, and this, this to me is a tale from, you know, that a lot of runners have, right. You know, and I think being in a place to be coached and correct me if I'm wrong, it's not just about, you know, the willingness to accomplish a goal or do something physically, but you have to be mentally prepared to go into a coach athlete relationship as a runner. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. It's hard when stuff's out of your hand. It's hard to, for me being a coach and when I have athletes coach me, it's hard for me to kind of let go and be hands off initially. Um, so I completely get the apprehensions and understand. Uh, but the, at the end of the day, you know, they say that insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's coming to me saying, I need a lifeline. I need help because this isn't working. Um, and then the training is too much different than what he's used to. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just vastly different than, than his normal training. And then, so he doesn't want to do it because he's scared. So for me, like if what you're doing is not working, the best thing that you can do is try something new. What, what can you lose? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah that have, having that, you know, you've got to have that mentality. Um, you know, and at least I, I know when you and I entered our coach athlete relationship, um, you know, for me, it was, I knew I couldn't be in control of what was happening anymore because I wasn't doing a great job. What I was doing wasn't yielding the results that I was hoping to get. So I was in a place where I was prepared to hand over the reins and the decision-making and the control to somebody who I felt like knew better than me. Um, and I, and I think as an athlete, if you don't go into that relationship with your coach thinking that way, you're going to be doomed to fail because that, you know, it sounds like this athlete was second guessing, you know, unsure, not confident in, in, in following a new plan. Um, and you know, I'm sure something's working for him. The guy's running a hundred miles a week and, can throw down a nice 5k time, but you know, it didn't sound like his goals aligned with being coached uh, and that's unfortunate. And, uh, you know, it, it also comes down to that rest versus stress that we, we started this topic out with that. It's not just about volume. It's not just about every run being better than the last, you know, everything has to come together. Not only the running, you know, strength component, recovery activities, sleep, those are the things that are going to make you better. It's it's not just going out there and running hard every single time. And we've said that a number of times. But uh, yeah, there's there's so much to go into this process. And uh, and I think as an athlete, you've got to be prepared to be coached. Yeah, I, I mean, I completely agree. And listen, my way isn't the only way to the mountaintop. A lot of athletes that I've coached have had success using this platform that's pretty widely accepted as a as a good platform, like I didn't create this, right. I'm just, I'm just relaying the the data and, and the science behind it. So, you know, it, it is what it is with him specifically, but I think this is a perfect example. I, I don't think that anybody who's a 17, 30 or 18 minute 5k runner should be running hundred miles a week. I think that indicates that there's an issue with the training. If you're putting in that much volume, 
you should be faster. You know, like that's almost in my opinion, verging on like a clinical non-responder, which are very rare parts of the population, but some people just don't respond to specific stimulus. Mm-hmm. And at that amount of training with that outcome to me, I mean, you've done, you've done the same thing, Michael, on 30 miles a week. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that, that's one of the major things I learned from you was, was that I didn't have, it wasn't about the volume itself, but it was the quality of what you were putting in the quality of the volume. You know, what were you getting out of those easy days? How hard were you pushing on the speed days or hill days? Yeah. To me, the, the program made a lot of sense and also worked for my schedule. I don't, I don't have time to run a hundred miles a week, uh, especially with, you know, having a new baby. There's, there's no way. So, uh, yeah, you know, sm- smarter, not harder. Right. I, I, it, doesn't make sense to me why somebody couldn't see that, but right. I think more, more volume is always better when you can recover from the volume. Uh, but this is an indicator that something's amiss and he's not recovering properly. So the thing is, is we live in a society that, that glamorizes overtraining chronically. Oh, um, we look at a lot of people like this David Goggins, who remarkable person, no doubt, uh, probably doesn't have the best training methods for performance for high level athletic performance. Um, you look at people like the 75 hard thing, good thing to change your lifestyle up if you need a big dramatic change, but probably not a long-term sustainable performance oriented vehicle. So what is this? The set, what is the 75? 75 hard It's 75 straight days. You have to exercise for at least 90 minutes a day, broken up into two sessions. One of them has to be outside. You have to read 10 pages of a book for some reason. An audio book doesn't work. It has to be physically read. I don't know why. So I guess if you, Uh, are blind, you're excluded from being 75 hard. Uh, You have to follow a diet in general that says a diet. We all follow a diet by definition. It is simply what we eat. So Uh when we look at a a diet, it's very, very vague. No cheat days. What is a cheat day? Well, it depends. I mean, what I don't understand the logic because it's not sustainable. But anyway, it's a way to jumpstart. And it's again, it just falls in line with that hard mentality. You got to be hard all the time, all this stuff. And in truth, like if you want to try to change your life around, maybe that might work for you in the interim and be a good jumpstart, but it's not sustainable long-term and it's not conducive to performance if we're talking about performance. So anybody can overtrain. Anybody can go to sleep at 11, 12, 1 a.m., wake up at 4 a.m. and start training because Jocko Willink wakes up at 4 a.m., but are you actually able to absorb the physiological stress that you're putting on your body? Because that's what creates an adaptation. It's a very simple formula. It's stress plus rest equals adaptation. If you can't assimilate the effectively the gains that you've made by recovering, then the adaptation isn't going to happen. So it's really cool. But if you, if you overtrain and you're not recovering, you're not doing anything effectively. So, you know, and another factor people don't keep in mind is like, yeah, Michael, you just had a baby, right? For example, and you have a job that's demanding and requires travel. A lot of people don't take into account the psychological stress and the toll that it has on the body. It's very real. It's backed up by uh, countless, you know, pieces of data and studies. So, Everybody thinks about what they're doing physically, but nobody thinks about what they're doing mentally. And I think both of those things kind of have to be in harmony, you know, to be in harmony, to be, to be successful. So if, if, and when we talk about emotional stress, it's not all, it's not all bad, right? Like when we think about going to the gym, we do a biceps curl, right? Effectively, we're stressing the muscle tissue. 
creating micro tears, and then we're assimilating protein and building the muscle larger and more with more volume effectively mm-hmm. to oversimplify it. Um, but we don't think of mental stress in that way. Like the, the highest achievers in the world, uh, Olympic medalists, um, CEOs of fortune 500 companies, different things like that. They take into account emotional stress, but they also see it as a positive rather than a negative. When something happens and it goes wrong, we're also, we're so tempted to say, well, this is a negative, right? But it's not, it's, it's a positive because when you, it's, when you do things that are hard, your brain literally, quite literally here, um, changes the, the, the thought patterns that you have in your brain. Like it creates physical changes in your brain as well. And so you can accomplish more. No, absolutely. That's that's completely true. I'm reading. I haven't finished this book, but I'm reading it right now. It's called uh, "Running Is My Therapy," and it talks about how runners, uh, the act of running, actually creates um, more brain matter and neural pathways, and actually makes your brain stronger. That that intense focus on endurance activity creates more brain activity. So it's it's something that's really good for your brain to to have that uh, exercise for sure. Um, yes. and, but yeah, no, in mental stress, it creates a data point. That's another thing, you know, going through something and whether you achieve or you fail or you do it to failure, it creates a new data point for you in your head to measure against as you move forward. So, you know, failure to me, uh, I learn always more from failure than I do from success because, you know, at, at times, especially when you're talking about racing, right. When you're talking about lining up for a race, um, there are so many variables that go into it that you can't control. I mean, there's, there have been books written about that, that, you know, you, you've run the race of your life. You then go to do another one. You do everything exactly the same and you run more poorly than you did the race before. How is that possible? There's just so many variables. So to me, I learn more when, when I've had failures or challenges or obstacles in races and in life than when things go perfectly. So, oh, I, I, yeah. A hundred percent. So, so my point with this whole thing is like, um, when you just look at somebody's training in general, it doesn't take into account the outside stressors. It doesn't take into account the, the physicality of their job, perhaps. It doesn't, mm-hmm. you know, the mental stress that they're under, um, the demands of their career. When you can click all three of those things, so the physical stress, the, the psychological stress, the stress, and then the uh, ability to recover, when you can harmonize those things, that's when you'll be successful. So I think it's really important and not enough people take this into account. So that's why everything has to be so individualized when a coach is working with an athlete, uh, because everybody comes from different circumstances. And that's why maybe running a hundred miles a week isn't going to work for Michael Benvenuto because you don't have the same set of challenges that say Sarah Hall does, for example. Right. And I'm not saying that she doesn't have challenges and different things to deal with and sponsor pressures. She does. They're just different challenges. So her job relies upon her running hundred miles a week. Your job, requires that you make your, your quota, mm-hmm. right. That you travel across the country that you, uh, turn, become that real charming, uh, Michael Benvenuto that you are <laughs> and, uh, see him when, live and living when, color the, last week. when the spotlight's on me. Yeah, baby. Yep. Uh, no, and that, that's totally true. And, and, you know, you were talking too about the, you know, comparing to other people on Strava or on Instagram and, and, the acclaim uh, and the heroism applied with the folks that are just doing the big mileage and making you think, well, if I want to be a high achiever, I have to, f- I have to copy that plan. I have to copy that. Yeah. Um, or running you're not taking, 
Yeah. And you're not taking into consideration all those other factors. You know, how much more did that person get to sleep than I do? You know, how much less stressful is their job? What are the other factors that are contributing to their mental health? Um, you know, that, that go, there are so many inputs um, that create the output. And if you want to have a positive output, you've got to consider all of those inputs. So uh, yeah, no, really, really well said there, Mark, for sure. Yeah. So I think w- when we look at designing the program, that's why there's a lot of easy volume because you need to recover to get to the hard stuff and you need to have a balance of, of those things. So I hope when people look at my Instagram, just because that's where I get the most traffic, when people look at that or my Strava or whatever it is, they say, wow, this guy runs easy a lot because it's the truth and I should be transparent about it. It's the truth for a reason because that's what any successful training program is built on. Um, and pedal to the metal, no pain, no gain, all of that is not effective. So please keep that in mind. Uh, no pain, no gain is true to a very slight degree. You have to have just enough pain uh, in a progressive overload. So Uh, too much pain is no gain. So keep that in mind. I think in a world that glamorizes all of that stuff, I encourage you to be different and to, uh, to really seek out a sustainable training method, because that's when you're going to perform the best. That's how I know when I'm performing my best guaranteed. Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, and I could tell you guys, all you listeners, when Mark's posting videos online of him doing easy runs, that really is what he looks like. He's not jacking it up uh, for the gram. I mean, he, he posts authentic material. I just wanted to say that uh, to back you yeah. up because we see a lot of people post videos of themselves and they say like, oh, out on an easy run. And you can see the guy is just in a dead sprint for 100 meters and there's no way that he's sustained that pace beyond the length that he recorded that video. <laughs> yeah, it, that's that's tomfoolery. I still get people that message me and they say, this is way faster than 740 pace based on what they think I look like with a bike next to me or a car next to me or a drone or something like that. Like, first of all, you can't tell the velocity because the, whatever vehicle that they're using to which record is moving the same pace as me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's impossible. Uh, second of all, that's just how my running form looks. Like if people question me all the time. They're like, it can't look this good all the time. It just kind of, that's how I run. It's not necessarily great. It's not yeah. necessarily And bad. you worked on your form. I, I, I know for I me, do. as I worked on mine, um, you know, I, I went and did some performance testing and I was taking video of it and you can see me on the treadmill ramping up my pace, you know, going from, you know, whatever they start you at nine minute pace and they bring you down to six something. My upper body doesn't change. It's the speed of my turnover, the speed that my legs are going, the extension that I'm getting on the back kick of my leg. That's all that changes. So yeah, your upper body always looks super consistent, which is what everybody's striving for in your running pace, you want your upper body to be relaxed and look the same. It's just about the turnover. How fast your feet are going is really, unless you're late in a race, then you might be pumping your arms some, but yeah. uh, you know, and like the notion again, that like somebody would say, this is way faster than seven thirty six pace. Why the hell would I lie about running six thirty six seven thirty six pace? <laughs> I have enough, no incentive to lie about what I run on my easy running. You can go compare to Strava. I like the people are like, well, it's gotta be way faster. Like, I don't know. Seven thirty six is the average at this very moment. It could have been maybe, 705 or it could have been 752 i don't know but it's like a weird thing to split hairs about like i can see why people would want to lie about running faster than they do in hopes that they'll Mm -hmm. they'll earn some kind of praise or maybe change the perception in which people think of them but i can't see why people want to lie about running slower it's i run (laughs) most of my runs from 720 to 740 pace which is where i fall in line on easy runs and my heart rate aligns with that who cares totally well i i 
Uh, yeah, no, good vent, man. Sometimes you got to vent. And we yeah. create the space for that, of, of course, especially when it comes to truth and reporting on the gram. We mm-hmm. want to be uh, full of integrity, integrous in our posting. Yeah, um, and I, told, I told you, Michael, I've been to several uh, photo shoots and video shoots for 10,000, for example. And mm-hmm. I show up there how I look every single day. I don't do any kind of special dieting or anything like that. Um, I just show up there. The last one, I rolled out of bed without a haircut uh, or anything. <laughs> and, you know, all the photographer and the videographer were there at probably 6.30 a.m. getting set up. And they told me to be there at 7.15. I got up at 7 at my hotel, put down the clothes, <laughs> and went out the door. And do I do that because I'm authentic or do I do that because I'm lazy? That's the me too. I don't know. I, I I wish I did a little more. But my point is, is that I I try to be as transparent and realistic as possible. And I think that we have a responsibility to do so. Even if you have one person kind of following and trying to see what your training's like, authenticity is truly key. Absolutely. So I I think the takeaways from from this last segment are you know be open and prepared to be coached. You know understand what your shortcomings are. And know that that relationship requires work on both sides. You know, it's it's not just about the coach giving you something to do, but it's you being prepared to do the work and trust in your coaching. Um, you know, I, I'm sure that you encourage everybody to do their research. And I know for you, you you put out a pretty big questionnaire and, and ask a lot of questions to understand as much as you can about your athletes, mm-hmm. um, to get to know them in order to coach them properly. So for those of you out there who haven't had a coach yet, have thought about having a coach, you know, just be prepared from that mentality standpoint to accept uh, that this is a professional who knows what they're doing and they're going to put you in the best position to achieve the goals that you're looking to achieve. Um, You know, and with that, all of those factors come into play, thinking about, you know, job stress, life stress, time available to do the training, uh, you know, how much sleep that you can get as we always talk about sleep is such an important component. Um, and all of those things go into the formula that create your training plan. That's going to work to optimize your athletic performance. So, um, all, you know, all of those things as a recap, um, great. Just to, yeah. Just to, just to speak to that. Great recap. I just challenge everybody to uh, assimilate all the physical and emotional stress that they face day to day. See it as a positive challenge and then be able to recover from it. And then as you do that, progressively overload it and you can do more and recover more. Just build the habits, build the brick, build the foundation. That's great. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Awesome. So uh, to, to kind of wrap up this this podcast today, you know, as Mark and I mentioned, we spent some time in Dallas last week and we were going to record some podcasts, but we ended up just talking about what we wanted this to be, you know, what we wanted to evolve into, what the goals for the podcast are, how we can create a a more easily digestible show for the listeners and um, something that's more easily accessible for Mark and I with our busy work schedules and, you know, both having little kids in the house now, uh, you know, it's, it's hard to get time to schedule these podcasts and to, to put on an entertaining show for everybody. So we just wanted to let you, the listeners know that we've put a lot of uh, intention into how we're going to be doing the show moving forward. And we'll be looking for your feedback, um, your continued user questions, uh, you know, topics that you guys want to hear us talk about. Um, but we think we've put together some interesting things uh, for us to, uh, you know, again, put together a more entertaining show for everybody. Uh, Mark, you want to talk a, a little bit about that as well? And, yeah, and just talk I about think, some of your goals moving forward for this? Yeah. So I think Michael 
was a, a catalyst in recognizing that this podcast format probably needed to change. And I, I think it, it, it did. Michael is probably more hyper-organized than I am. I don't know if hyper-organized is the right way, but he's definitely more organized than I am, which isn't hard to do. But um, I think he's, he's – he, he, you're right about a lot of things, Michael. And I, I, I do – I want to bring more technical value to the podcast. I want to bring in more deep – dives on specific topics that people can digest and use to be better endurance and strength athletes. Um, and so when you do very broad, long episodes, it's not always possible. So I look forward to being able to kind of hone in on specific uh, performance metrics and things like that. And mm-hmm. I look forward to bringing on some, uh, some guests who are kind of specialized in that because I feel that you're very journalistic in nature and you ask a lot of really good questions and bring the best out of people around you. Yeah. So, and you know, yeah, and for for the listeners, you know, things that you know, Mark and I are going to be scouring the internet for interesting articles, you know, to talk about and provide you guys with links to stuff that we talk about, you know, where where we say we read this interesting article or read a book or or you know saw a YouTube video. We'll try to provide you guys with that content so you can follow up and do some of the work yourself, so you don't just have to take our word for it. You know, we we both are always consuming content to learn more and more about how to enhance physical performance, how to uh, enhance, uh, you know, mental acuity um, and to be stronger uh, in our headspace. You know, Mark and I, you know, Mark has battled with anxiety. You know, I have some anxiety issues, ADHD stuff. So, you know, the mental aspect of everything is really important to me, which I think bleeds into the endurance space, uh, endurance sports space really well. So we're going to, we're going to do everything we can to provide you guys with some, some good targeted content. But um, yeah, if you guys, out there, your listeners have read a cool book or read an interesting article that you think would be fun for us to talk about, send it over, you know, send it to us on Instagram. I'm at son of raging Joe on Instagram. You guys can find me there. I'm, I'm pretty accessible. So um, yeah, send us the content. We want this show to, to be informative and inspirational at the same time. You know, that that's what Mark's biggest thing is he uh, isolated that when we were hanging out that he wants to do what he can to reach out to as many um, individuals out there and make an impact, a positive impact in their lives. And, uh, you know, Mark's helped do that with me. And so uh, we just want to keep spreading the love to everybody out there. Yeah. Yeah. That's great, Michael. Thank you for the, for the kind words. It's something I'm really excited about and I couldn't have a better uh, co-host to do this with. Yeah. Uh, Finally, last thing I'll say is last week, um, I was, I, I launched some apparel and uh, a new coaching website. Uh, that's www.runstrongtc.com. That's TC is in Trek Club. Um, doing some really cool things on there. And so just a few quick updates. We released the limited edition Harder to Kill shirt that sold out in five days. So thank you all for for, for supporting that and being part of the community. I uh, really appreciate that. We have some odd sizes of other shirts available still on the website. So check that out if you're interested. Um, and then the next thing is I did a little bit of a campaign recently on Instagram to work with, uh, potentially an athlete who couldn't maybe afford coaching otherwise. And I had people nominate, uh, who they thought would, would fit the bill pretty well because I, you know, my coaching is full, but I, I always leave a spot or two to take on somebody I'm really excited about. And, um, I've always done this for a while, but if somebody can't afford coaching, I'd like to try to, to help them out. And in this situation, it's no different. I had a spot open for it. So, um, I got a little bit better than ex- 
or larger than expected uh, <laughs> feedback and returns on it. So yeah, right that's now, an, that's an understatement. You got hundreds of replies in your DMs yeah. and in the comments, which is incredible. Uh, yeah. So cool. And I'm still sifting through it. And uh, so in short, we received over 400 nominations uh, for people. You know, maybe some of them were the same person, but several hundred nominations for unique individual people uh, who all have amazing stories. Some of them, you know, I was scrolling through it with some of my friends and most trusted people. And uh, you know, some of it like honestly had me so fired up and filled with joy to be able to help them. And um, what I'm going to do is take on three athletes this way. And I have it narrowed down uh, to some degree and I'll be in contact uh, with them and their, their parties that kind of nominated them. And like I said, I'm not going to probably disclose them publicly unless they want to be out in public because um, it's not anybody. It's their private information. But if somebody wants to share it, they'll probably share uh, who it is. But I will let you know when we've kind of found it out. So I just want to thank everybody for the support with that, the outpouring of support and maybe uh, helping me link up with somebody who would otherwise not have access to it, which I deserve, believe that they deserve. Uh, to have. So this is just a really good thing, a really positive thing I want to share. So I wanted to thank you. And then finally, um, we have 82 five-star reviews on iTunes. And we thank each and every one of you for your support. If you want to support the show, um, you know, you can share us in your Instagram stories. We love that. Share us on Facebook, share us to a friend, whatever it is. But if you really like the show, if you want to stop by iTunes and rate us five stars, we'd really greatly appreciate that. Uh, but otherwise, I'm just overwhelmed with the support that you guys all show both of us and we are forever grateful absolutely really well said mark awesome new program with with finding that athlete to coach i think that's so cool and uh yeah hopefully whoever you select um yeah they'll be maybe up for coming on the show and talking about what it's like to to be a new athlete being coached uh on team run strong so that's all really cool stuff so Thank you guys so much. Thanks for being patient with us getting another post up and we're going to do the best we can to get this show retooled and able to be posted on a more regular basis for you guys to consume and take part in. So thank you guys very much. Again, you could find me at son of raging Joe on Instagram. Uh, Mark, you got anything you want to plug before we log off? Yeah, you can find me at Bottenhorn Running on Instagram. You can find me at www.markbottenhorn.com. And then you can also now find me at www.runstrongtc.com. That's Run Strong Track Club. It is the group for everybody. All are welcome. Awesome. Thanks a lot, guys. We'll see you again soon.